Welcome to the podcast. My name is Ian Castleberry. I'm a writer, editor, and podcaster. You can currently find my work at iancastleberry.com, that's C-A-S-S-E-L-B-E-R-R-Y, and through Twitter at Ian Cass. Is it presumptuous of me to say hello again? Like I'm presuming that you're a return listener, so entertained or intrigued by what you heard before that you came back for more? I'm feeding off the positivity of the fantasy life. By the way, I know I've written or tweeted this before, but is there a bigger waste of a minute and a half in a song than the beginning of Aldo Nova's fantasy? I get it for a music video, but those machine gun, helicopter, laser, and explosion noises are on the album track. Get to the song already, man. Do you love that song too? Any other fans of Aldo Nova's fantasy? It's okay. The podcast is your safe space. Come on, man. It rocks. Raise your fist to thepodcast at gmail.com or at the podcasts on Twitter. So I don't know if this is worth talking about, but I'll put it on audio record to hold myself accountable or provide a reminder if I ever need it. But I've gone back to the gym and working out every day for the past five weeks after taking far, far too long a break and letting myself turn soft. Well, I've probably been soft on the outside for the past 30 years, but there was a point where I was really making some progress with lifting weights, actually seeing some results, and feeling pretty good about myself. I probably had some misguided goals about getting big and adding on muscle and should concentrate on getting leaner. But looking and feeling strong has always been kind of important to me. It's probably a result of growing up reading comic books and male fantasy. I'd like to see some more progress in losing weight, or at least losing fat, but I'm not there yet. So how much do you weigh? I fluctuate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But hopefully I'm off to a good start and doing this before the weather gets cooler, the food gets heavier, and then we're in the holiday season where that kind of food is everywhere. I'm getting stricter with my eating habits, trying to make that routine by the time the holidays roll around. One good thing about not having big family gatherings anymore, I suppose, is that I can have a lot more control over what I eat. I don't have to eat marshmallow-covered sweet potatoes, pie, or cookies to be polite and not offend anyone for not eating what they cooked. At least that's what I'll tell myself. I don't think that was really the problem. During the podcast's summer hiatus, otherwise known as the two to three months when I wasn't doing anything but packing, unpacking, moving, stressing over work, then feeling sorry for myself, one listener reached out on Twitter, again, that's at the podcast, said he was enjoying the podcast and shared his own experiences with keto dieting. I appreciated the encouragement, which told me it was okay to talk about this stuff once in a while. So I don't know if you're still listening, Ryan Rabalkin, who hosts the Rocky Series podcast and the Worst of the Best podcast, but thank you for the response this summer. Yeah, I've been going to the gym every day again, and I know I'm locked in now because there hasn't been a single day over the past five weeks where I felt like I didn't want to go. But even more importantly, I've zeroed in on a few people who bug me enough that I hate them, and it provides the motivation, the extra push I need to get through a tough workout. Hey, this works for me, and I'm not going to the gym to be social anyway. The airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. 
So thanks to the person who always complains that at least one of the TVs near the cardio machines isn't on Fox News. And it's not even that two of the other TVs are on MSNBC or CNN. Hey, I get it. Let's be even-handed. But I was watching Jeopardy on that TV, you son of a bitch. You're going to watch Fox News when you get home anyway, or listen to Hannity or Rush while driving, right? Let me have my 20 minutes where I can feel smart, or annoy the person next to me by whispering the answers out loud while watching. What is unreasonable anger, Alex? Also, a middle finger or up yours to the guy who takes a 30-minute residency on the upright row machine, checking his phone for long stretches between sets. Hey man, I can get through six sets of shoulder press and bench press while you're sitting there, but take your time. I'm sure that text or whatever the hell you're looking at is important. Please stick your fingers between the weight plates and let them drop. I'll wait. I've been waiting. Actually, I finally said something to him this week, asking if he was about done, which I think gave him a little nudge to get the fuck moving. Not sure if I made an enemy or not. I kind of hope so, though. If he hates me, that makes me feel better about hating him. Oh, and then there's the grump who stands behind me and sighs with frustration when I got to what apparently is his favorite exercise bike before he did. Hey, dude, first come, first served. Actually, what I really say under my breath is, fuck you, you fucking motherfucker. But I'm trying to keep the podcast relatively clean. Hopefully you're not listening in the car with your kids. Sorry about that. There are at least two other bikes you can use, you old ponytailed codger. Though yes, this one is the best because it's the easiest to use in terms of setting up your routine, counting your time, calories, etc. But you had your chance. So you can keep standing there and watch my fat ass waddle on the bike seat for 20 minutes. Uncle Ian is doing his cool down. See, exercising just makes me feel so much healthier, physically and mentally. Clears my head. Thanks for listening to all that nonsense. And I apologize again for the swearing. Let me know if you prefer I cut it out at thepodcast at gmail.com or at the podcast on Twitter. I know I shouldn't curse so much. I often think my mother hears me rip off a string of profanity, usually while driving, and wonders where the hell she went wrong as a parent. All right, let's play my Thursday NFL segment from Asheville's Wise Sports Radio. Actually, Pat Ryan and I covered baseball this time around, too, because of the two decisive Game 5s in the National League Divisional Series on Wednesday. Watching the Washington Nationals beat the Los Angeles Dodgers was worth staying up late for, and I took a long nap in the late afternoon to prepare for that late night. Plus, news broke earlier in the day of the Philadelphia Phillies firing their manager Gabe Kapler. Then on the football side, we discussed the Washington Redskins firing head coach Jay Gruden, other NFL coaches whose job status is shaky, and storylines to watch for in week six. All right, uh, let's get to Ian Castleberry. Uh, Ian's going to be, uh, we're splitting this segment into two. We're going to do a quick baseball update because there's a few things to get to. And then we'll get into our uh, NFL Gold Nuggets feature. Of course, uh, Ian's baseball appearance always presented by Andrea and Greg and uh, the gang at Vistanet Telecommunications. 
Ian, good to have you in. Before we get to um, uh, the, the Braves meltdown in, in the first inning, before folks were even able to settle into the stands with the beer, uh, the Phillies wasting no time firing Gabe Kapler, uh, I believe their second-year manager. Uh, he is gone. The team expecting a lot more with Bryce Harper on the squad. Uh, but, but Ian, I guess this wasn't really too surprising. We were kind of talking about this when Charlie Manuel was hired um, on as the hitting coach, the former Phils manager who won a World Series with the team. Yeah, that seemed to be a pitch right at, uh, under Gabe Kapler's chin. Like, uh, you know, we need to see some improvement. Um, I think we're not entirely sure yet if Gabe Kapler uh, is a good manager. I think he's a, an intriguing baseball mind. I think he has a lot of new ideas, but uh, maybe not the kind of guy uh, for a team that, uh, you know, the expectations were for them to contend uh, for a World Series. I think maybe like a, a rebuilding team or, you know, like a – uh, a 75 win team looking to move up to that 85 90 win level uh, a good uh, hire you know uh, for the pirates uh, the royals maybe even the padres although i think the padres might want to aim uh, a little bit higher but certainly 81 and 81 the phillies were this season fourth in the nl east just a, a massive disappointment the phillies did have a lot of injuries 22 players on the injured list uh, you know, they lost more than 1,600 games to injury if you add all that up. But it's, it, it, that is obviously not what was expected for the Phillies after, as you said, signing Bryce Harper and the other moves that uh, the Phillies made. All right. Um, any, any names being tossed out um, immediately? Buck Showalter uh, apparently is a name that's being tossed around uh, wow. that he's talking to uh, Phillies ownership. And I think that's probably what we're going to see. The, the Phillies go with a veteran, experienced manager after taking a chance uh, on a, a rookie guy like uh, Gabe Kapler, who didn't have an, any managerial experience. Um, you know, John Farrell could also be in the mix, uh, depending on what Joe Girardi gets, you know, with the Cubs. Uh, or, or the Angels, uh, and uh, I also hear that uh, maybe we should keep our eye on old Dusty Baker for that job. There you go. Dusty, I think, would be a great fit uh, for that team. He's familiar with the division, and um, I think, yeah, I <laughs> that I would like to see, but you're right. I, I see where they're going with this. It's like, ah, it didn't really work with the newbie. Maybe we need to go back uh, with, a, with a proven entity, and, and Dusty Baker is certainly that we'll see how it it uh, it plays out. Uh, boy, you give up ten runs in the first inning one time, Ian. Wow. <laughs> I mean, uh, seriously. I mean, can you imagine, Braves fan? You, you're you're you can't wait for this game to start. Anticipation game five. I mean, you're barely sitting down in your seat with a beer and a hot dog, and like the Cardinals have scored five runs. Uh, it's, it's brutal. If ever a, a Major League Baseball game needed a mercy rule, uh, <laughs> this was it. You know. Ten runs in the first inning, and they still have to play the rest of the game. It was just, it was painful. At least the rest of us, you know, we could turn the channel, go do something yeah, else, right. rake leaves, you know, hit hit a punching bag, something. These guys still had to uh, play that game. But just, I mean, uh, what a disappointing, disheartening showing for a team that had uh, big-time expectations. Uh, Jack Flaherty pitched really well uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, Mike Fultonevich, uh, you know, you can't fault that start. He was, uh, he was outstanding in game two. No runs over, uh, seven innings, but, uh, just a disastrous start here. I think one thing the Braves have to look at here is that Mike Soraka was their best starting pitcher throughout the regular season, and he only got one start, uh, in this NLDS. Uh, you know, should, uh, Brian Snitker ha- have, uh, you know, arranged the, the rotation, uh, so that Soraka could have pitched more than once been available out of the bullpen, et cetera. 
in this NLDS. Uh, and I know we got to move on, but I, I would I would point to three things here for for the Braves' failures. Freddie Freeman batted 200 in this series. Nick Markakis 143. Josh Donaldson 158. And the guy, you know, and Ronald Acuna, everybody ripping on him for his attitude. He was the one guy who really seemed to show up and play in this series. Uh, indeed. Uh, you know, and, and hey, look, when he hustles, he's one of the best players out there, uh, for sure. Uh, and finally, in the Dodgers postseason fail continued last night, the Nats pulling the game five upset last night in Chavez Ravine. And, you know, Ian Kershaw's postseason issues, uh, cropped up again last night as Washington came from behind on Kershaw, tying the game before winning in 10 innings. Kershaw, again, you know, had a terrible postseason that continues to be the one red flag in his career. I would question whether or not Dave Roberts put him in a good position, though. He brings in Kershaw to close out the seventh. He gets Adam Eaton out. Should he have brought Kershaw in for the eighth to face Rendon, Soto, Kendrick, et cetera? Uh, was that setting up uh, Kershaw to fail? Uh, Dave Roberts did not have a, a good night uh, as a manager. Even worse was him bringing out Joe Kelly for the 10th to face uh, Adam Eaton again, Anthony Rendon, Soto, and Howie Kendrick, who uh, hit <laughs> the most improbable grand slam I think we've seen in quite some time uh, in the Major League uh, Baseball playoffs. Wow, something to cheer about in Washington these days. So that's that's pretty awesome there. Uh, the mothership, <laughs> as you know, is a big uh, a big Dodgers fan, and and the mothership is saying, man, uh, that maybe the Dodgers general manager has got a little too much hold over Dave Roberts. You agree with that? Uh, I think so. I think we certainly saw that in last year's uh, World Series. But uh, yeah, that's a big question. Whose call was it to bring in Kershaw or to bring him out uh, for the eighth? Uh, was it Andrew Friedman and the front office, uh, or uh, did Dave Roberts make that call? Uh, I'd be curious. Uh, <laughs> this is probably for another day, but uh, what the mothership thinks about uh, Dave Roberts returning next season? Well, that may be coming up next week. So uh, you, you boys hold on to that um, because I'm I'm, I'm going to be on vacation uh, uh, starting next Wednesday. So uh, you boys, you boys have at it for sure. Uh, all right, let's let's get to uh, some NFL before we do. Thanks to Andrew and Greg at Vistanet Telecommunications for bringing us in. All right, Ian, let's get into uh, a little NFL. And, of course, our NFL uh, feature is presented by our buddy David Creaseman and the gang at D.C. Creaseman Jewelers. All right, let's get into the Jay Gruden firing here, um, Ian. Uh, GM Bruce Allen says the culture is damn good with his organization. Okay, as I was, you know, referring to Stan last last hour, is this like open mic night at the comedy club? I mean, what a joke. Um, how confident are you, Ian, that Allen and owner uh, Dan Snyder uh, will write this sinking ship? Uh, who is Bruce Allen crapping here? I mean, uh, it's a disaster. And part of it was, uh, you know, I think uh, they let Jay Gruden go on a little too long. You know, for, for most reports, Jay Gruden ran a, a pretty country club atmosphere. No wonder he was popular with the players. No wonder Chris Thompson's crying that he might get fired because uh, uh, it was a very player-friendly environment. Club Gruden, uh, you know, and you can see it on the field with uh, just, you know, the failings uh, in conditioning, in discipline on the field. They seemed to run out of gas uh, before the game was over uh, compared to their opponent. But uh, how many, granted, you know, there are only so many of these NFL head coaching jobs available, but who's going to want to uh, coach for Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen? Uh, Bruce Allen has not shown. Uh, he's, he's been a very good general manager, uh, d during the Redskins, uh, his tenure with the Redskins. You know, they, they get more, fa 
road fans there at FedEx Field now in Washington uh, than home fans. Uh, that was, you know, that was really embarrassing last Sunday with the Patriots uh, coming into town. They don't know who their quarterback is. I think uh, Jay Gruden starting. Uh, Colt McCoy last week over Dwayne Haskins was a middle finger basically to the front office. I don't think he even wanted uh, Dwayne Haskins yeah, on his team. I've read that and, too. Yeah, and you, you have a similar situation with Adrian Peterson. Jay Gruden didn't want to play Adrian Peterson, but he's on the roster. He has to play. So, you know, you see this. Uh, uh, this constant friction between the front office, between ownership, between Jay Gruden. And it, it's really amazing that he lasted uh, nearly six seasons. But uh, I, I, uh, I would wonder who exactly is going to take that job. Uh, Gruden, what, the most impressive thing about the John Gr- or Jay Gruden excuse me, tenure in Washington is that three of his former assistants are now uh, rather successful NFL head coaches, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur. How did that not pass on uh, to the rest of uh, uh, the coaching staff there with the Redskins? That is a great question. (laughs) I'm sure one they're asking themselves right now uh, in D.C. Uh, Ian, any NFL coaches out there that might be worrying themselves about job security? Oh, I heard you and Stan uh, mention uh, Dan Quinn of the Falcons. I think he's got to be at the top of the list. One in four, uh, they're, they're just getting their butts kicked uh, every week. You know, what the, the Quinn's defense is supposed to be a specialty. You know, they're getting mowed over. Uh, the offense really doesn't seem to have an identity. They're, they're wasting Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Uh, you wonder how much longer Dan Quinn is going to hang on there in Atlanta. I also would point to Freddie Kitchens, our guy uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Should the Browns have even given this guy uh, the job to begin with, or was he just the most convenient guy who was right there? Hey, we need a coach. Freddie, you interested? That certainly uh, it seems to be what it looks like. And the consistent, you know, they have a big, the Browns have a big win over uh, the Ravens, and maybe they just got a little too proud of themselves because they, they showed up on Monday Night Football and just got absolutely hammered. Uh, by the San Francisco 49ers. Um, how badly was this team uh, overrated, and how badly are they being coached by Freddie Kitchen? Yeah, I mean, and shoot, we've talked about this with Shoop, and, and Shoop's thing is, you know, that, that, that there's a bullseye on the Browns for two reasons. Uh, a, uh, there's way too much, there was way too much hype, and I think coaches were getting tired of mm-hmm. hearing that, so like, let me have a shot at him. And then Kitchen, you know, coaching, you know, the coaching fraternity is pretty tight, and the fact that Freddie Kitchen's, you know, when he, he got the job, because of other coaches were in that on that staff were pushing for him to get the job. He got the job, and then he basically fired. If like maybe the whole, I mean, if not the entire staff, close to it, just blew those guys out. There's a lot of resentment in the coaching world uh, in the NFL about that. And and Shoop says that's another reason I think some coaches and defensive coordinators are really wanting to uh, to stack it up and really take it to Baker Mayfield, which we're kind of seeing right now. And the lack of an offensive line has Mayfield scrambling all over the place. He looks completely uncomfortable um, half the season. When he's doing well, he's doing great. When he gets protection, the dude can play. Uh, but right now, that's not happening. And perhaps, you know, hindsight being 20-20, maybe they spent too much money at the receiver position and not enough on the offensive line. But, it, you know, as you say, uh, it's got Freddie Kitchens in the conversation of his job being on the hot seat. Anyone else before we move on? I wonder if Mike Zimmer, even though the Vikings are 3-2, and two, uh, there's two coaches at 3-2 and two who I wonder if uh, their stats is a little bit shaky. Mike Zimmer, depending on how the Vikings uh, continue from this, and I would look at Bill O'Brien with the Houston Texans. I mean, they, they, the ownership went all in with him, basically letting him be the general manager and, you know, he made this big deal 
for uh, Laramie Tunsil uh, trading Jadavian Clowney, but they, he really did mortgage their future. He gave a lot of first-round draft picks uh, to the Miami Dolphins, kind of going in in an all-in move. Well, if the Texans don't follow through on that this season, uh, I wonder how uh, you know Bill O'Brien's going to survive this. Yeah, well, you know that's that's true. I forgot about that that he's a GM as as well. So it's like he's double. And you know they always say like, well, you know, you, you never get the GM fired. Well, guess what? If the coach is the GM, that's a better chance of the GM getting fired on this. But you know they look great against uh, the Falcons. Of course. <laughs> Four out of five teams so far this year have looked great against the Falcons. But, you know, when they, when he does have protection, just, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, is tough to beat for sure. Ian Castleberry with the Wise Guys, our uh, NFL Gold Nuggets feature presented by DC Creaseman Jewelers. Uh, all right. As if the Steelers haven't been ravaged by injuries already, Ian, another key player is now on the sidelines. And this is a player that's kind of really stepped up for this team. Yeah, running back, uh, Jalen Samuels, uh, expected to be out for, uh, at least a month or up to a month uh, after knee surgery. Uh, he suffered a knee sprain uh, last week in week five uh, versus the Ravens. Uh, you know, he's rushed for 50 yards. He's caught uh, 83 yards uh, in receptions. And uh, he's become an important component, as you mentioned, because uh, with uh, Ben Roethlisberger injured and Mason Rudolph still kind of unproven, the Steelers offense has been using Jalen Samuels as sort of a wildcat quarterback uh so obviously if he's uh sidelined for a month uh that wildcat package is probably going to be shelved uh as well and you know the the injuries just continue to pile up for the steelers uh james washington one of their receivers is expected to be out for a few weeks definitely going to be out for week week six but expected to be longer uh with the shoulder injury uh he's i, I believe their third leading receiver uh with 140 yards receiving now, let me say this, because one of the coaches you did not put on the, the, the hot seat was, was Mike Tomlin. And I'm, I'm not surprised that you didn't put him on the hot seat because, uh, you know, they've only had, what, four head coaches in Pittsburgh since 1969. And, um, you know, Tomlin's proven himself there. And I think they, the, the organization understands that, wow, they've been hit by injuries awfully hard. And, uh, but man, if they go one and five, if they lose to the Chargers, um, there's probably going to be those rumblings going on around Pittsburgh. Well, we may, we may swing back around to you, uh, in another couple couple of weeks to see where that stays. Can I just say real quick? Yeah. I know Blade, I, I'd love to hear what Blades thinks about this, too, but one of my friends said to me, hey, what would you think of Mike Tomlin as the Michigan coach if they ever got rid of uh, Jim Harbaugh? And I have to admit, that made my eyebrow go up a little bit and think, <laughs> hmm, it's not going to happen. But uh, I just thought that was an interesting little uh, fantasy scenario. Well, there. Well, well, you know what? Blades is all about fantasy. So so if I remember, uh, and, and that's, you know, <laughs> that's 50-50 at this point, um, I will try and bring that. I'll bring that up to him because i'd be i love mike tomlin and uh i tell oh, me too oh yeah. my god that would be that would change things man michigan would just be a far cooler team already uh with tomlin roaming the sidelines um ian uh, a couple of things before we let you go any other week six storylines you're following for us i am very curious not just because i am a lions fan but i think the monday night football matchup between the detroit lions and the green bay packers mm. uh, is a big matchup uh you know are the lions for real are the Green Bay Packers the best team in the NFC? They certainly look that way right now. The game's at Lambeau Field, so traditionally Detroit does not play very well uh, in Green Bay. But uh, I think that's a very important NFC North matchup there uh, on Monday Night Football. Another matchup, uh, <laughs> this is uh, not important unless uh, you're interested in who gets the uh, number one pick overall uh, next year. Redskins playing the Dolphins. Uh, how are the Redskins going to respond uh, to that coaching change? Uh, is this the one week where the Dolphins might actually have a chance against an opponent 
And then uh, how are the Dallas Cowboys going to rebound uh, from their big yeah. loss uh, to the Packers? They face the New York Jets, so that's probably going to be favorable yeah. for them. <laughs> but the Jets... <laughs> oh, man, that, you know what? No, Nothing better after, a, after a, an embarrassing loss and looking at the schedule and your next team's the Jets. It's like, you know what? All is okay in Dallas. Absolutely. And then uh, one more I'm looking at is uh, 49ers and Rams. The 49ers undefeated. Yeah. Uh, facing uh, the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams got to win this game if they want to get back uh, into the NFC West race here. And the 49ers, you know, this might be their toughest test uh, on their schedule yet. Uh, what, what are they made of? We may see this week. This is down in L.A., I do believe, correct, on, on Sunday? Yes. Okay. And, and, and look, the, the Niners are a great story. I love this game because this rivalry, when I was growing up in Southern California, the Rams and the Niners were just a huge rivalry. The Niners were cleaning the Rams' clock pretty much every time. If the Rams beat the Niners, it was like a big deal. But it kind of harkens back to those days, so a lot of NFL fans... You know, fans like you know, in my age, you know, forties into their fifties, this is this is a great matchup again. It's like, wow, both these teams are really good again. I wasn't even paying attention to the Niners, to be honest with you, Ian. And here they are sitting at four and zero after that win over Cleveland, and an impressive one uh, at that. As Ian Castleberry plays with the wise guys. All right, Ian, here we go. Uh, Thursday night football. See, can we bring back the Rams at the Seahawks? Because that was a worthy Thursday night football <laughs> game to watch, and it played out that way. Now we've got the Pats at the Giants. All right, now my band's playing tonight out of, out of the Orange Peel. I, I may or may not catch some of this game, but I can guarantee you if I was at home, I probably would not be watching it. This is my problem with Thursday night football. It's like the NFL just puts most, most weeks just half-assed games out. Um, having said that, we know the Pats will win because the Giants. Look, the Pats would have won by a long, by a long way if the Giants had all of their offensive weapons. The Giants don't. It's a mess. Poor Daniel Jones. You, you feel bad for him right now, but nonetheless, it's a seventeen and a half point uh, spread. The Patriots over the Giants. Will the Giants at least beat the spread? Do you think, Ian? I do not think they will. Uh, I think uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, if there's one game that he's circled and he absolutely wants to crush. The competition, it's against the New York Giants, you know, who, who have won two Super Bowls uh, against his New England Patriots. Uh, is Daniel Jones going to play, or, or is it Eli Manning uh, getting the start tonight? If it's Eli, then I, I don't think there's any chance the Giants have uh, at, at beating the spread there. I would just throw Eli in just to save Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just throw Eli, and, uh, throw Eli into the shark tank. Absolutely. And then uh, Tom Brady, you know, he hasn't looked good uh, in recent weeks either. Does he get well against this uh, New York Giants defense? Uh, I'm, I'm trying my best to come up with some uh, appealing uh, reasons to watch don't, this game. Don't bother. <laughs> don't bother, man. That's going to be a tough one. Uh, but we'll, you know what? We'll all get through it. Um, hey, buddy, you are the best. Always appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for going hybrid today. A little baseball and lots of football. My pleasure. You're always glad to talk both. It's that time of year. You got it, man. We'll We'll, uh, we'll talk a little more baseball coming up on Monday. Okay, thanks, Pat. You got it, brother. Thank you. That's Ian Castleberry with the Wise Guys uh, talking some NFL headlines. Ian's appearance, of course, presented by David Creaseman and the gang at D.C. Creaseman Jewelers. We didn't get a chance to preview Thursday night's decisive Game 5 between the Tampa Bay Rays and Houston Astros in baseball, but I would have picked the Astros to win anyway. Well, while watching the game, I adopted a new favorite baseball player, Tampa Bay's G. Mon Choi. 
I know this indicates that I didn't watch nearly enough baseball during the regular season, mostly some Atlanta Braves games because I live in the Braves TV market, and the occasional national broadcast involving the Astros, Boston Red Sox, New York Mets, or Chicago Cubs. So I'm pretty late to the party on G-Mon Choi, although I was certainly aware of how well the Tampa Bay Rays were playing despite a low payroll and a roster filled with no-name non-stars and several cast-offs. G-Man Choi is one of those cast-offs, having previously played, briefly, for the Los Angeles Angels, New York Yankees, and Milwaukee Brewers. He began his career in the Seattle Mariners organization. But he caught on with the Rays, who saw the value in his ability to draw walks, get on base, and hit for power. Choi hit 19 home runs this season and became a popular folk hero among Rays fans. And personally, I'm mad at myself for not realizing that a hefty Asian slugger, Choi is Korean, who showed some personality with his dancing during pregame workouts and in the dugout during games, was there for me to root for. G-Man Choi. ago while hanging out with my former boss, Yahoo Sports, Kevin Kaduk, in the Tampa area for spring training. Kevin asked me who my favorite player was, and I surprised myself by not having a ready answer. Maybe I'd convinced myself that I shouldn't have a favorite player anymore since I was covering baseball, or I rooted more for a team, the Detroit Tigers, rather than a single player. I loved watching Curtis Granderson play, But eventually I said Ichiro Suzuki, remembering how I enjoyed watching him and the Mariners play after I got home late from work. I don't know if I've had a favorite player since Ichiro, maybe Alex Avila or Max Scherzer. But seeing Choi Thursday night and at points during the Rays postseason run lit that fire again. I spent most of Thursday night while watching the game trying to buy a Choi jersey. If you don't know what a jersey is, it's a t-shirt which looks like a jersey with the team logo on the front and the player's name and number on the back. For those of us who don't want to spend $150 for a replica jersey or $300 plus for an authentic actual jersey. I keep saying I'll buy a real jersey eventually. Baseball jerseys can almost pass off as actual button-down shirts. I'm probably waiting until I get near the weight I want to be though. Anyway, I was very unsuccessful in finding a Choi jersey. Apparently, the Rays' successful season and postseason run wiped out all the stock at MLBShop.com and Fanatics. Or, there just aren't that many Rays fans, so not that many shirts were printed up in the first place. I suppose I'll have to wait until before the holidays or maybe before spring training begins, presuming that Choi sticks with the Rays, to get that jersey and publicly declare my new affection for a major league player. Choi may not want me to get that jersey, though, because it usually results in a curse on that player. Either he declines or ends up with another team making the jersey outdated. Brennan Bosch, yes really, Pablo Sandoval, Prince Fielder, Jair Jurgens, the aforementioned Alex Avila and Curtis Granderson, I'm probably forgetting another one or two. Oh, I had Jeremy Lin, New York Knicks, and Charlotte Hornets jerseys too. I don't even wear these shirts out in public, except to the gym. I could probably find a much better use for my money. But yeah, 
I want a G-Man Choice jersey. I need that Choice jersey. The quest has begun to light 30 to 35 bucks on fire. Okay, I still need to do that TV talk. The two new network shows I've kept up with thus far are Prodigal Son on Fox and ABC's Emergence. Prodigal Son is maybe a bit too light and quippy with its scripts considering the grisly subject matter, but hey, if you wanted a show about serial killers that's kind of funny, Prodigal Son is for you. I'd like to see some more of Michael Sheen on that show, however. Sheen plays a Hannibal Lecter-like serial killer, dubbed The Surgeon, who was captured when his young son turned him in and he spent the last 20 years imprisoned. Sheen is terribly charming, and I love the idea that he may have been a really good father to his children when he wasn't moonlighting as a murderer. That son, by the way, has grown up to be a profiler with the FBI and NYPD and struggles with whether or not to renew his relationship with his father to help him on cases. So far, he's reluctant, and the rest of his family wants him to stay away. But come on. Eventually, they'll partner up. The series can't keep dragging this out. Hello? Come, my boy. It's Dad. What? How the hell do you have a phone? Oh, I don't. I have phone time. A critical distinction. My calls had been exclusively reserved for my medical consultations, but I was able to pull a few strings to help the NYPD and their newest profiler. So I heard about this quadruple homicide. That's quite a story. How do you even know I'm here? Oh my, what, you're actually on the scene? Oh, that's great. Go go stand behind your sister. Come on, I, I bet I'll be able to spot you. No. No, 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 you're busy. Of course, I get it, I get it. Oh, also, Keiko Agena, who plays Dr. Tanaka, the coroner who has a crush on the main character, Malcolm Bright, liked a tweet I posted on Prodigal Son this week. So yeah, that'll make me a fan of your show. I'm easy. (laughs) I'll include that in the show notes. A plane crashed on a beach. I found a kid at the crash that I'm being told wasn't even on the plane. I can help you. She doesn't have a scratch on her. She doesn't remember anything. She doesn't know her name, doesn't know where she's from. Can I go home? Where's home? So what are you going to do, keep a kid you just found? What's the plan? I here? don't have a plan, Dad. I didn't know what else to do. What's going on? You fostering this kid or something? I'm keeping her here temporarily. She's all alone. I mean, I couldn't just abandon her. There's a man and a woman in here, and they say they're the girl's parents. Thank you, Chief Evans. Is Olivia all right? Kids, you know, they wander off. Can I see your pictures of Olivia? We've answered your questions. I'd like to see my daughter. Don't touch the sides. Pull prints, run them immediately. Wait, what, what happened? They are not who they say they are. Meanwhile, Emergence is kind of a conspiracy mystery with a young girl found at a plane crash site who's being pursued by shadowy government or corporate operatives because of what she is as a result of illegal experiments. It's one of those shows where you hope the conspiracy pays off, kind of like NBC's Manifest whenever the hell season two of that show begins. Emergence has a fun, appealing cast led by Allison Tolman, who you might remember from season one of Fargo. As police chief Joe Evans, she's a great mix of tough, cute, vulnerable, and nurturing. Hey, we're looking for a new police chief here in Asheville, by the way. Come on over, Joe. And Joe's ex-husband on the show is played by Donald Faison, Turk from Scrubs. 
And when I say I love you, Turk, it's not what it implies. It's, it's got love between two guys. Faison's required to be a bit more serious here, but that playful, charming Turk side can't help but show itself. That big, lovable chocolate bear. Oh, and Clancy Brown plays Joe's father, Ed. He's good in just about everything he does. A good character actor with an outstanding voice. His Lex Luthor in Superman the Animated Series is an all-time classic performance. The deal is this. You leave me and my operations alone, and I and my little green rock will leave you alone. I don't make deals with criminals. I control everything in this town, Superman. Your cooperation is not really necessary. The offer was merely a courtesy. So Emergence just about has its hooks in with me. I'm certainly curious as to what the story is behind the young girl named Piper. Is she, like, a robot? A half-human, half-robot cyborg? Is there any alien kind of element to what's going on? And how does she know that Ed's cancer isn't going into remission? Not sure there will be a payoff, but I'm intrigued for now. I asked on the last podcast, but what are you watching? Which new shows have attracted you? Or are you sticking with the shows you are already watching? Plenty of those to get through, too. Looking forward to the season two finale of Succession on Sunday. Man, that's such a good show. I'm almost hesitant to talk about it because you probably listened to at least one or two other podcasts that recap it. Maybe during its hiatus, we'll have one of my friends or colleagues on to talk about it. I've been meaning to get some other voices on here so you don't have to listen to me drone on. And that's the podcast. We're also on Instagram at the podcasts, or you can reach out to me personally at Ian Cass on Twitter. I hope I've made it clear that any feedback, good or bad, is very much appreciated. I'd love to hear from you. And if it's something we can use on the podcast, even better. Anybody have any ideas for a good housewarming gift? I'm visiting my sister's new house this weekend and don't want to turn up empty-handed. Even though it would be fine if I did, I don't think she'd hold that against me. And they probably have everything they need already. Maybe a fire extinguisher or a set of steak knives like Tony Kornheiser often recommends for wedding gifts. But I know they don't need the knives. They already have more of that stuff than they should. Should I bring at least bring some pine cones that smell far too strongly of cinnamon and other fall potpourri-ish scents? Eh, then my car will smell like that stuff too. Although maybe that wouldn't be bad. Enjoy your weekend. Be good.